So, Ryan, I was really keen to okay. to come and hook up with you again. Right. Because when we first met mm-hmm. at the start of, of making this series of podcasts, I hadn't really even set foot in a Parklands care home. Mm-hmm. And since then, I've met teams of yours in lots of the care homes. I've met people at every part of the organisation doing all kinds of jobs. And I have to say, it has been an extraordinary eye-opener. I hadn't realised how many preconceived ideas I probably had brought to mm-hmm. the t- to the whole thing at the yeah. beginning. Mm-hmm. But I found it fascinating. And mm-hmm. so I really wanted to, to kind of hook up with you again at the end of the series sure. to reflect a bit on some of that. Because I feel I'm coming now with more of an insight mm-hmm. into Parklands than I did when we met those weeks ago. Your staff, mm-hmm. let's talk about them. Yeah. Because I'm astonished by the level of passion yeah. and enthusiasm I've mm. met. Yeah. On several occasions over the last few weeks, I've sat with staff who have so much compassion mm-hmm. for what they do and the residents they look after, they've been in tears while they've been talking to me. And it's knocked me sideways. Mm-hmm. I take my hat off to you that you've mm-hmm. found this team. Yeah, it's not easy to get no. people to do that. Uh, it's I, difficult work. Mm. Incredible. Yeah. Where does that come from? That level of passion? Is it born, bred? Is it in recruitment? What, what do you think underpins it? Because it is, it is extraordinary. It is. But they are wonderful people. Each day I, I go down and, and, and speak to them on a regular basis, and that's important as well that you know you walk the job and walk the talk and uh, to go over what we do how we do it etc it all stems back from our values we have four values which we uh, drew up in 1993 and those values are just as relevant today as they were in 1993 and they are simply put professionalism respect and trust good place to work and working together and that's it so each one of those at any level works for us so the staff know exactly you know when they swing their legs out of bed in the morning what they're going into but more importantly, I think my responsibility is very much to work in a kind of servant leader kind of way. My role is to help them on a daily basis, is to serve them. It's a different leadership style. I don't. My role is not to drive the business. The business drives itself because it's a people business. We work in small rural communities. And the marketing from those communities comes from the word of mouth from the residents, relatives and the staff themselves. A lot of the people that I've met are from the communities yes. that... They work in. Yes. They're they're, they're <clears throat> drawn. You've you've clearly recruited yeah. locally for a lot of the staff, not all the staff. Um, and I wondered if that makes a difference because they're in the care home looking after their own. Well, for sure, I would never underestimate the power of the community. I call it the culture of the parish. The parish, the, 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 you know, people look after themselves. It's an extended family, um, uh, cousins, nephews, nieces. They all work together. They know each other. Um, and in many cases, they socialise with each other. They fall in, fall out. And, but, but that's life. Life, is, you know, is, in each small rural community is different. Uh, but it works. I don't know how it works, but it works. And But I think we've consciously tried to integrate ourselves into the community and become part of the community. And that's important to us as well. By all means, correct me if I'm, I'm, I'm wrong, but I get the impression from the people I've met, many of them, that they've been recruited very much for who they are as people yes. rather than necessarily their, their care background or experience. Because quite a lot of the people I've met have been brought into Parklands without a background in care, yes. but you've seen something in them yes. 
And I wonder what it is you look for. Well, we don't recruit an IQ. I mean, we get so many people coming from college to say, you know, they can wave an SVQ level three or level four in their face and say, I've got this qualification, therefore I can. But we look at EQ, emotional intelligence. It's very important that people, you know, have the skills that we're looking for. And in many cases, I say to the staff, look, what we're looking for is a mum who maybe had two or three kids and they're wanting to come back to the workplace and work on a part-time basis because, again, we've got to be very mindful of family-friendly policies that work for them. In Bucky, for example, we know that a lot of the staff work two weeks on, two weeks off, because or three weeks on, etc. When their husbands are away, they, they can't get in to look after the kids, but when the husbands are at home, they can work more. So we've got to respect that. I use the expression that it's all about the sincere trust and belief in our people. We trust them and we believe in them, and it's very important they have the confidence to do that. So when we get somebody like a mum of two kids, and they often come and say, well, I've never done this before, I don't have any skills in that area. I thought, well, you actually do. And look at the washing. Yeah, you do the washing and ironing. So you take your husband's socks and you put them together and you put them in the drawer. Well, that's filing. And look at it like that. So each task can be broken down and we can translate those tasks into the workplace because we're dealing with people who are really at their most vulnerable. And it really, it's a blessing that we are looking after people who are, in effect, blessed with old age. And, and that's what we need to try and, and get. And I think as part of the recruitment process, it is all about the EQ. You celebrated your mm -hmm. 30th anniversary with a party for the local community yes, in Bucky. We did. Hundreds of people turned up to celebrate with you. Mm -hmm. How did that make you feel? Oh, it was absolutely fantastic from the first minute to the last minute. As you say, there were lots of people there with lots of entertainment and it was a good, fun day. A lot of people came to say hello, a lot of previous employees, etc., came to say hello. Um, and that's great because that's what we wanted to achieve, is this integration becoming part of the community. Now, it's that kind of party that, that I guess, when I was coming to this, I didn't expect to come across parties. In my head, I didn't mm -hmm. have the idea of care home equals fun, yeah. care home equals celebration. And it, it's been intriguing to see some of the other kind of ways of celebrating yeah. that I've encountered yeah. over the last few weeks as I've spent time with you all in Parklands. One of the interesting events I went to was a Pride event. And I know that you had several Pride events yes, we did. over the, the summer. Mm -hmm. The first song we'll be singing for you is a classic called Get Happy. And if you know it, you can tap your feet and you can jog along as well if you want. That was quite a statement. And again, I found it really interesting and moving in lots of different ways. But I, I wondered where you're coming to this from in terms of the importance of inclusivity and diversity mm -hmm. and what role you see that having in Parklands. Oh, it was fantastic we were able to do this and really, um, small rural communities can be tough places um, and it's very important that we thought that we wanted to say to the community, look, it's okay, come and celebrate with us. And if this changed the mind of maybe one or two individuals, absolutely fantastic. That's what we wanted to do, to celebrate the diversity in the communities that's out there now. And just be yourself. The other thing I suppose it, it, it showed me, and certainly some of the drag acts that I talked to for the series, was that, that care homes were fun places, that they were celebratory places. Mm -hmm. um, they, they were able to be inclusive and, mm -hmm. and welcome diversity, but also it, it taught us something about ageing. And I think both me and the drag acts I talked to came away less afraid of what a care home was. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't expected that. These uh, guys were 
They were very good at what they do. I mean, they belted out Tom Jones and all the big ones. You know, they're very talented people. And the fact that they came in and dragged, well, that's just added a wee bit more spice to it. I'd have to say, uh, there were one or two um, pieces of feedback coming from the community which suggested that perhaps a care wasn't appropriate, that these older people would not appreciate that. Quite the opposite. They loved it from start to finish. You know, you know whether they felt that you know, uh, um, it was the right thing to do or not. It most definitely was the right thing to do and get them in there. And you could see by the enthusiasm and the, and the way that the, uh, uh, the residents and the relatives interacted, etc. The funny thing was I did receive a few letters, but each letter was predicated by saying, I'm not against this, but I don't think my mum or dad would have liked it. But I felt like writing back and saying, yeah, actually, your mum and dad loved it. Yeah, I hope you had a really, really, really good time. And remember... Pride is for everyone. You know, take it at an entertainment level. That's what it was. It was entertainment. It was fun. And it was a fun event. It's a home from home. I often say to the staff, look, the only thing that's going to change when people come into this home is their postcode. And that's it. Nothing else. They are actually going to live out their lives the way they want to. And hopefully we can help them do that. And we do. My own mother, for example, is now in Parkins, in Burnbank, rather, in Bucky. She has been diagnosed with uh, senile dementia, and I've seen it from the other side, from the relative side, and, and, and looking at, well, this is the right thing to do, looking at the grieving process, you know, because she needed care now, she'll be 95 in December. But, you know, she looks so well on it. She's put on weight, she's now eating properly, um, she's loving the entertainment and the company. She lives the life she wants to. So that gives myself and my other brothers great satisfaction knowing that it's the right thing for her. And I think she sees that as well. And hopefully it's the right thing that other relatives will see as well, how well their mum and dad's being cared for. Now you launched, as I understand it, a, a new Parklands Pathway yes. fund to give something back to the local community. Explain what that fund is. This formalises something we've been doing for, for, for 30 years. It's very important that we give back to the community. It's very important, I think, that we as a company have a moral responsibility. And it's very much based on corporate social responsibility. Um, we've been doing it for years under the radar. We do it simply because there are lots of people who work for us now are involved in football teams and da 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 da. And it's very important that you know if they request help, we give them help. But now it's come to the stage that I think we need to formalise it. And, and I think the Parkinson's pathway is a means of formalising it. I often say that, look, uh, we put people first, but we put planet second and we put profit third. And that's very important. People, planet, profit. Yes, in that order. I think, you know, a lot of people think profit's a dirty word, but you need to take in more than you put out. So you call it a surplus, call it profit, but we need, you know, and indeed we, we um, um, uh, work with the banks and there are bank covenants, so we need to be able to show financial uh, responsibility as well, as well as social responsibility, but there's a balance. And I think it's very important to us, as very much as part of our ethos and part of our strategy that we invest in these communities. So what we've done now is in the Parkinson's Pathways formalise what we've been doing for years, and hopefully it'll become far better known as something that, that, that we do. Now, when you've got close ties with um, local communities, I guess it does mean that when you have to make difficult decisions and you're a business and sometimes you do have to make difficult decisions yes. that potentially is is more painful because it, it can feel more personal um, and I know that you started 
2023 by announcing plans to close the care home in Ullapool. Yes. How difficult was that um, for you, not just you, but the, yeah. the team as a whole? Oh, that probably in, in 30 years of being in business, that's the most difficult decision we've ever had to take. Uh, Ullapool, again, is a small rural community, which we do well. But it soon became quite obvious that it just financially wasn't working. So we took the decision to close it, which was heartbreaking, absolutely heartbreaking. Um, but we had to do it um, and, and move on because, again, there is a, a specific issue about small rural care homes and, and their financial viability. You know, like any other business, you need a certain amount of volume, i.e. you need maybe 40 beds or 50 beds to make it viable. But at 19 beds, it just didn't work. And the thing that it struck me was, although we only took it over in September 2022, six months later we had to close it because the, the, the whole environment, the world had changed. Costs were spiralling out of control. Inflation was moving. Interest rates were moving. Again, it was left to me to make the decision. You know, it was a conscious choice. Do nothing was not a conscious choice. A conscious choice was we had to stop the hemorrhage, sadly. Conversely, what's been the highlight of 2023, if that was That's the low one point, of the, the yeah. lowest points, yeah. mm. what's been... The highlight of 2023 would be taking over recently two homes um, from a company that went into administration in March of this year. It was done very quickly, um, and we were told it's an asset sale, sold a scene as it were, and we knew nothing about it, uh, or the two homes. We knew where they were. To, to be able to say, well, the, these homes are in our heartland, we can do this, and we can do this very well. So we put in, uh, um, approached the administrators, and they normally were saying, look, we close things, we don't keep things open. So we said, look, keep this open for six months, help us through the transition, and we can take over these homes and make it work. So we put our business case to them, and they bought into it. And so it took us six months to uh, uh, look at the transition and I'm delighted to say that the homes became part of the Parkland's family in early September and there were 80 residents in those homes. Again, anchors in the communities and very much part of those communities. And, 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 and you know, over the last six months we've been able to reposition it, uh, turn it around, uh, look at how the business was run and trying to get it into the Parkland's way. Now, the financial part of it was relatively easy. The cultural issues were probably the hardest part. But we're here now, we've repositioned it, and we're putting in the, the Parkland's values. From listening to you and and mm -hmm. visiting the homes, I think it's really clear, Ron, that, that you care deeply, not just about the residents, although obviously started first with your granddad, mm -hmm. and that's been the inspiration behind this, but you care very deeply about the staff too. Yeah. And that, that absolutely bounces off you and off of them. The First Minister promised care workers a £12 an hour rate in April of this year. Now that won't be delivered until April 2024. Yes. Parklands has already delivered it Yes. back in April, presumably at a substantial cost to the business. Absolutely. Why did you feel it was important to make that move then? I think, you know, it, these small rural communities, they're very much low wage economies, if I can use that word, I don't mean to patronise them. but. I, you know, if, if we can help in any way with the cost of living crisis, because we all have bills to pay, we all have budgets, household budgets, etc. Again, as one of our fundamental reasons for doing this is to acknowledge and, and, and make our employees aware that, you know, we're with them, we're behind them all the way. Uh, and as, you know, as I said earlier, my role is very much like a servant leader to try and support them to deliver the best they can on a daily basis. 
And one of the things that we could do, you know, a huge financial cost, I'd have to say, was uh, uh, put up our wage rate to £12, which was an industry-leading uh, uh, figure, and everybody has said to us, you know, you know, how do you manage to do it? I said, we've done it, but we've made sacrifices in other areas, but this was so important for us to be able to do that. You've not been afraid of being critical of the no. Scottish Government over its mm-hmm. refusal to offer what you call a fair settlement to social care. Yeah. What's your assessment of the future of, of social care? Oh, no, that is a difficult question. Um, and I noticed quite recently that the NHS celebrated the 75th anniversary and there was absolutely no mention of social care. I think, you know, from where I'm standing, looking down as an impartial spectator, the social care sector is on its knees. But yet, in many ways, I think, we deal with very complex care issues. These people should be in hospital, but we're doing hospital care on the cheap. I think... The Scottish Government, I don't think, realises the enormity of the social care sector. And if it goes down, and it's teetering on the brink at the moment, if it goes down, I would hesitate to say that the NHS will go down as well. Um, It's that serious. Um, And I think the Scottish Government have got to wake up and realise that this is such an important and integral part of the entire social care, healthcare system, that it needs to be treated differently. Let's turn to the future. Mm-hmm. I know that you have a fairly ambitious project underway in Inverness, yes. including a later living village. <clears throat> tell us tell us about that and also the, the thinking behind it. What inspired you? Well, Inverness is probably our biggest single project so far in the sense that we built our homes normally in small rural communities of a population of about 10,000, but with a feeder population of about 40,000. So going to Inverness with a population, I think, of 85,000, it was a different sort of model for us. Uh, so that was a, a risk and a challenge, but we knew that we'd like to take the Parklands brand into Inverness because at the time when we looked at it, there hadn't been any development in Inverness for about 40 years. And a lot of the developments were, shall we say, old Victorian buildings which had been extended and not really looking to care for people in 2020s, etc. So what we wanted to do was build a facility like we have in, in, in the other areas, uh, very much based on an American model with wings, uh, of more, no more than 10 people per wing. So each wing has its own dining area and each wing has its own seating area. So it's like a home from home. Uh, and then every day, and I've seen this myself actually, uh, people come out of their wing, go and maybe pick up the paper, go for a coffee, maybe get their hair done or haircut, and then go home again. So it's a very important to sort of look at the same model that this worked elsewhere to put these wings concept into the home in Inverness. So this is a 58-bedded home, biggest one we've ever built. I've always maintained that we shouldn't build more than 40 because we need to get to know the residents very well. But we're taking the opportunity of let's scale up, as it were, and see see if this works. And I think it'll work very well. We've got a fantastic site in Inverness overlooking the, the Keswick Bridge and the Murray Firth uh, with amazing views. So we're very excited about that. But linked to that, we've decided to build 11 later living bungalows, as I call it. Now, these bungalows were based on my mother. My mother, who was 94, has lived at home. She drove until two years ago. She was a fat wheel bridge player, and she went in a car on a Tuesday and a Wednesday and Thursday and a Saturday and a Sunday to the bridge club in Elgin, which was 18 miles away. But it became clear that she couldn't cook for herself, so we, the first thing we did was we put in meals from Parklands uh, to help her. And then it was quite clear that our mobility was beginning to suffer a wee bit, so we put in our cleaning and our laundry, and we catered for the garden. So that gave her independent living and helped her stay at home longer than probably she would have. Now, a lot of her friends at the British Club were probably the same age as my mother, were very keen to get the same thing, but we couldn't, because that would mean we'd have to register the service, etc. we'd have to charge for it, and we didn't want to do that. So 
the 11 later living bungalows are very much uh, they're two-bedroom bungalows. They look like a normal house. They don't look institutional. Nor they don't look like sheltered housing in any way. They've got a drive. They've got a garage, etc. I must admit, it took a while to convince the planners that these weren't mainstream houses. But I think you're missing the point. They need to look like mainstream houses. They are normal people living a normal life. Well, have you got a garage? They say, well, most of these people don't drive. I thought, well, most people, when they're about 90, have stuff. Everybody has stuff. So the garage is probably full of their last 50 years of their lives in the garage. So that's why the garage is there. And we've got a run-up to the garage because if the son and daughter visit, they probably come on a car, so they'd want to take the car off the road. Simples. So we're very excited about that. And I think demand should be really quite high. So the, 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 the plan is that somebody would maybe sell their bigger house in Inverness, five, six bedrooms, and move into this very well-insulated uh, two-bedroom house with facilities that uh, match where they are now. One of the things that my mother has is a conservatory at the back. And it's funny how her conversation changes. The conversation now is about the roses. It's about the change in the, in the garden. Things that matter to her now. So with that, right, let's build a conservatory on every one. So everybody can sit in the back and watch the changes and the, and the seasons come through, etc. So there's a conservatory, two bedrooms for family visiting, etc. Big lounge at the front and that's it. Keep it simple. Mm. What's the time frame for this? It sounds really exciting, but how, how well, soon? We, we had a bit of a, a stumbling block with Inverness. The original company we chose went into administration in November last year, and it's taken quite a long time to get the legal stuff sorted out and get rid of the old company to appoint a new company, which we have now done. So it'll probably be about 2024 before I think we'll start the houses. I think we didn't want to start the houses, you know, and, and get them finished while it's still a building site there. That I don't think that was right, simply because we want some of the people in the houses to join in the activities in the care home. I think we as humans are very sociable animals, and if there's something going on, if there's a Kaylee, if there's entertainment and music in the evening, there's no reason why they can't come down and join it and then go home again. Hmm. Am I right in thinking you've also got plans for accommodation for staff? Um, yes. What was the thinking behind that? Well, that's very exciting. I, again, it became quite clear when we took in a lot of our foreign uh, or overseas people, um, some of the accommodation, particularly in Inverness, we're putting them to was very substandard. So what we wanted to do was create our own accommodation. So if we were to take in, not necessarily overseas staff, but anybody, we've created uh, 24 two-bedroom homes um, um, in Inverness, right next to the A9, so we can, yes, use them for our new home, or use them for our other homes in Granton, for Troes, or Muir Board as well. You really draw on what you see around you, don't yes, you? Yes, yes. I mean, you drew on your granddad mm -hmm. and your care for him to, you know, that, that was clearly the inspiration, as you said, to how you designed um, Parklands in the first place. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But it... Clearly the people around you and putting yourself into their shoes all the time seems to be behind so much of your, your decisions. Yeah. You, you obviously spend a lot of time looking and thinking and sitting in other people's shoes. Looking, watching and learning, sharing lessons learned, as I like to say to the staff, what is it that we can do better? What is it we can do differently from what's being done at the moment? And, you know, in many cases there are easy wins out there that we can do that. It has been a big year. Mm -hmm. Lots of change. Yes. What's next? Wow, what's next? Um, well, we're looking to expand Linemore in Grand Town. That was a 40-bed home, very much a flagship home. And, and really, the design of that is, is you know, I, I sort of look at myself and think, wow, that's so well designed in the way it's, it's laid out, etc. It's independent living in a care home setting. 
Um, so we're putting an extension on that. Plans have been submitted for that. You mentioned Inverness. We're progressing with that. Inverness is a big one. Um, we're upgrading the two homes we bought, one in Cullen and one in uh, Keith. And the long-term plans, we have sites that we're very keen to develop as well in Elgin, Turriff and Arford. But as we say that, that's what we've got on, on the stocks at the moment and that's going to keep us going. But there are other opportunities. We didn't, for example, think that the, the two homes, Keith and Cullen, would come in the market. We, so undoubtedly other opportunities will come our way if they can fit them into what we do fine. But we've got to be mindful of the financial constraints as well. Interest rates are going up, inflation still is high, food inflation is still very high. So there's a lot of plates spinning there at the same time, but I'm very keen to keep moving the business forward. Standing still is not an option. If you had to pin it down mm-hmm. into just, I don't know, a handful of things, what, mm-hmm. what do you put down the success of Parklands to, um, apart from you? I think what I try and tell the team, look, stay focused on what we're trying to do, um, be determined to follow through what we said we would do and, and stay passionate about what we, who we are and what we want to be. We're all different as individuals and I think it's, it's very difficult to get different personalities together. I often say that 10 clowns don't make a circus. We don't need clowns. We maybe need a, a lion tamer. We need a trapeze artist as well. So we need a mix of styles to help make it work and move forward. 30 years. Yeah of impacting a lot of people, staff, residents, families, all those people that you provide for and have provided care for the company. And there's a big lot of people, Ron, mm-hmm. who've been part of Parklands in some way over yeah. the past three decades. How does that make you feel? I'd like to think, you know, the bottom line is that we're all getting old. Um, we don't like to admit it, but it's one of, I think one of the biggest taboos in life is getting old and dying. You think, well, let's enjoy it. Have a good life and have a good death. Make sure that you know, when you come to old age, uh, do what you want to do. Um, I often say that you know, coming to the care home is people are going to start living again, not dying. And it's, it's amazing that you know, how long people live with us and enjoy what they want to do. And I think that's probably the biggest legacy I would say is uh, when I'm 80, I'd love to think that I'd like to go into Linemore or any of our care homes and the level of care is um, fantastic. And I think that would give me the confidence knowing that we've done a good job. And for all those people out there that we've helped uh, over, over the years, thank you. Thank you for all you've done for us, but let's carry on and do the same again and more. Now, I know you're planning a bit of a celebratory dinner mm. for your long-serving staff, many mm. of whom I've met to mark the company's 30th anniversary. What's your message to them if they're listening to this, Ron? My message to them would be that thank you for your support and your um, forgiveness and your patience and your understanding over the years. It hasn't been easy at times, uh, but we're here. We're here. There are far mo- more good times than bad times, and I think that's what we've got to remember. Again, it's quite humbling to see all these people who we started the journey with all these years ago still here, but still enjoying what they do. Some have been promoted to very high positions, some have decided just to stay where they are, but that's okay. If it works for you, it works for me. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. And my final thing to you, (laughs) at the end of the first podcast, when I'd been talking to you about your story and the inspiration that came from your granddad and looking after him, I asked you what you thought he'd have made of what you'd done at Parklands and it was quite emotional and and you said you thought he'd be proud. 
I wonder if you allow yourself to be proud. Um, no, I, I would never put myself first. That's, that's not important to me. As I say, it's other people. Um, and I think that's the most important thing. Would I allow myself to be proud? Sometimes I come out of a care home thinking, wow, you know, I would put myself or my mum or my dad into that care home. And that's what it's about, making sure that it's this, uh, the, the product or the service that we deliver is of a level that people would want to, to buy and want. It's not about buying it, but, but just put their mum and dad in. So, you know, it all comes back to our, our strap line, our family caring for yours, and that's exactly what it is. You know, in many occasions, um, the family um, can't look after their own mum and dad, and they're giving their mum and dad to us to look after. And that is the privilege, uh, that we can look after them the same way that they would have done themselves at home. When you love your job as much as we do, it doesn't feel like work. If you'd like to join the Parklands family, visit our website at parklandsgroup.com. Carecast is produced by Adventurous Audio.